Hi, welcome back to the story of. I hope you had a great 4th of July. I hope it was safe and I hope it was fun. I hope you're having the best week now. And I hope that you don't mind taking some time to leave me a five-star review and subscribing to my podcast. I'm Reagan Snyder and I'm so glad you're here. This week's episode is a little bit different. I am going to talk to you about abuse. So somebody I'm very, very, very close to has been the victim of abuse. We will call her Audrey. She wanted to share her story and just help people identify abuse pretty much and discuss the different forms of abuse because it doesn't always look the way people think it's supposed to look. I think that people are getting more vocal about it and realizing that abuse comes in different forms now, but she just wanted to share her story. She's one of many, unfortunately, who deal with abuse or have been the victim of abuse. I'm going to start out with a quote from her. She said, there's different forms of abuse. There's physical, emotional, verbal, sexual, spiritual, and financial, and it rarely ever starts with a physical abuse. That's typically the last part of it. It starts out small and it gets worse over time, which desensitizes your ability to identify the abuse. Now, let me preface everything and put a little disclaimer here. I'm not licensed or trained in therapy or psychology or any. I'm not a doctor. Audrey is neither, but she's been a victim. I haven't been a victim, but I've walked alongside her watching what she's been through. And so, yes, that's what this episode is about, just her experience. So I'm going to discuss the different types of abuse or some of the different types. The first one we'll talk about is emotional abuse. Emotional abuse is much more discreet and it's not necessarily in your face and it really giving you a reason in your face to get out of the relationship right away. It's, It's harder to define. It's harder to recognize. Some examples of emotional abuse are constant criticism putting up boundaries and having that person ignore them. They're possessive and controlling. They try to humiliate you. They're manipulative and they're dismissive of your feelings. Sometimes they try to alienate you from your support system and they gaslight you. Gaslighting is more of a common term these days. I feel like it's used very loosely sometimes. But what gaslighting is, is a manipulation tactic using psychological means to make the victim questioned their own sanity, pretty much. An example of gaslighting is somebody doing something abusive to their partner and then twisting reality and denying that they ever did it, even though they obviously did, and just trying to make their victim feel like they're crazy. And it's on paper, it sounds dumb. Like how, if something really happened, how are you going to be talked out of it really happening? But that's where justification comes in. That's where victims will be like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe I I did say that and I just forgot. Or maybe that really happened the way he's saying or she's saying and I just picked it up differently. Then there's verbal abuse. Verbal abuse kind of goes hand in hand with emotional abuse. Some signs of verbal abuse is degrading speech, dismissive or offensive remarks made towards the victim Or when somebody makes fun fun of your ideas or behaviors or beliefs and just demeans you. 
And these are just some examples. Then there's sexual abuse. And Audrey, Audrey said, and I'm quoting her, she said, I think some men take on this idea that because they're the patriarch of the family, things are owed to them. People don't realize that sexual abuse can occur between partners, whether in a relationship or married. End quote. Sexual encounters can be manipulative or coercive, and it can include pressure from your partner or a friend, a family member, a stranger, whoever, bribery for sex, withholding things like money, friendship, etc. for sex, guilt tripping, and being forced to view pornography. Then there's financial abuse. Financial abuse is withholding money, stealing money, or restricting the use of finances. And this type of abuse can look like a spouse withholding money from their partner because they're the breadwinner. They're like, I'm the one who makes the money. You don't have access to it. This is mine. In their mind, it's what's theirs is theirs and what's yours is ours. So some examples of financial abuse or some signs that you're you're being financially abused. Uh, They withhold financial information. Your partner discourages you from having a job. They force you to turn their turn your income into them. They closely monitor your spending down to the penny. And, you know, monitoring spending, there, there are things like budgets and stuff. That doesn't mean, you know, you're being abused, but it's over the top and the way that they do it. And then limiting your spending. Again, there is such a thing as a budget doesn't mean you're being abused. So use your discretion there. And then spiritual abuse is any attempt to exert power and control over someone using religion, faith, or beliefs. And cults are a prime example of this. You can see how spiritual abuse is a thing. It can happen within a religious organization or within a personal relationship. Some signs of spiritual abuse is they use their spiritual beliefs to manipulate you or shame you. They use their beliefs to rationalize abusive behavior They use the scriptures, the Bible, to justify, control, or criticize. They overemphasize their authority or role, as in they're the patriarch of the family, and and they just take that and run with it and go way, way too extra with it. They shame you for not living up to their standards and then being forced to attend religious gatherings. And then there's physical abuse, which I think we all know what that is being pushed, being hit, being slapped, anything physical that is unwelcome, that is not invited, and you're being touched in a way that you don't like, that could be abusive. So these are just some examples. You know, process this information, use your discretion, because not everything is abuse. But I I understand now from watching Audrey go through this, how abuse can look and how hard it is to to identify sometimes. So I'm going to get into her story. Audrey met this guy named Gary right after he'd gotten back from a two-year mission for his church. He was very religious and, you know, he had just spent two years of his life dedicating every day, every moment to church and God. And so he's very much in that mindset. And Audrey liked it. She was trying to kind of not redirect her life, but get back on this path where she felt like she was living life the way God wanted her to live. And so 
the fact that Gary was already living like that was a huge plus for her. They were set up. So Gary lived out of state. They lived about four or five hours away from each other. And their first meeting was over FaceTime. And they would talk for hours on FaceTime. And finally, not too long after they knew that they were vibing and they were liking each other, they decided to meet in person. And it went really well. And they both knew shortly after meeting that they would end up together. So they they did. They started dating. And then Gary proposed. And Audrey was over the moon. She was so happy. And they had a beautiful wedding. Got married. It was great. And th- things were great. They seemed to be great for a while after they got married. But from where I was standing, I noticed a shift in Audrey. She didn't really seem to be herself anymore. Her demeanor that was usually very carefree and fun and funny was replaced with a more serious one. And her sense of humor, it it was there, but it wasn't really. It was almost like Gary was up on a pedestal. He thought he was up on a pedestal and he expected Audrey to be up on that pedestal with him. And so she was kind of trying to shift her behavior to make him happy and fit in with what he wanted. She was a really good wife. She always made sure that Gary was taken care of and happy. And really, Gary did the same thing for Audrey. They didn't fight very often. They seemed to just put each other ahead of themselves so that everybody was taken care of and happy. So things were good. They both worked at the same company, but they were at different locations and Gary was going to school. And on top of that, they both volunteered at their church every week. So they're really, really busy just working, volunteering, school, all of that. After a little while, they were ready to have a baby. They wanted to start a family And so after a few months of trying, Audrey took a pregnancy test and tested positive. And they were so happy and they were so excited to become parents. And the pregnancy went well. It went pretty smooth. I Really as smooth as a pregnancy could be. I always joke that Audrey was born to make babies. They were both still working full time. But halfway through the pregnancy, Audrey started getting these really bad migraines. And so she was having to take off of work to deal with them because you can only take so much medication and do so much to manage the pain when you're pregnant. And so she was missing a lot of days. So they sat down as a couple when she was about six or seven months along and they decided together that Audrey should just quit working at this point. She's suffering from these migraines. She had really bad morning sickness. She just, she was missing a lot of work and uh, she was going to be a stay at home mom anyway. That was the plan before they even found out she was pregnant. That was the plan. She also had to stop volunteering at the church. And even though he didn't really say much about it, she could tell that Gary was annoyed by that. He didn't like that. Around this time, Gary introduced somebody named Karen to Audrey. Karen was a client at Gary's office. And so they had this professional relationship. She was married. She's middle-aged. She had two young kids. She was very Christian. And their professional relationship quickly formed into a friendly relationship. And they would talk about different things at work. And um, she told Gary that she was interested in joining his church. And so Gary, who's very religious, religious to the point, I mean, he would be at like a a dinner party 
over in the corner reading his scriptures. It's kind of weird, but that's what he he would do. And so Karen saying, hey, I want to join your church. Tell me about it. Perked up his ears. It's what he lived for. He was very happy to tell her all about it. So they start forming this closer relationship. And Karen invited Audrey, who's, again, about seven months pregnant at this time, and Gary over for dinner with her and her husband, Chris, and their two young kids. And she even bought them a nice stroller for the baby. The family was very nice. It was just things seemed good. As time went on, Karen started to talk to Gary about coming to work for her and her husband, Chris. They owned this physical therapy place, and Gary thought about it heavily for a little while. It meant that he would have to take a pay cut, but he liked the idea of being in a Christian environment because the place that he worked at now wasn't religious. The owner had left left the church. And so he, he just really liked the idea of being somewhere with people who shared his beliefs. After some consideration and talking to Audrey about it all, Gary decided that he would go ahead and take the job. So he started working with them and things were going well. It was a nice office. People seemed to be very nice there. And there was one day that Karen asked Gary to meet up with her at a park because there was something she wanted to share with him. So he went and met up with her, and she told him that she communicated with God. She had conversations with God, and Gary needed to know. Meanwhile, Audrey could see that the relationship between Karen and Gary was getting a little too close for comfort. It was pushing boundaries. They were getting closer. The relationship was getting deeper. But Audrey really wasn't super worried. She knew Gary would never do anything inappropriate. Everybody knew Gary would never do anything like that. But she asked him about it anyway. He, she asked, you know, are you developing feelings for Karen? And he's like, no, he completely denied it. And like I said, Audrey didn't have any reason to think that he was lying. He, he always treated her really well. They never really fought. Their marriage was good. About a month after Gary started working at this place with Karen and Chris, Audrey went into labor and had their baby. It was a really smooth labor. Their baby was really cute. About a month later, Karen decided that she wanted to get baptized into their church. And so Gary is really happy about this. One day, Karen wanted to go to the church's temple with Gary and Audrey and a couple of the missionaries. So they went and... Audrey noticed that while they were there, Karen and Gary's communication and their body language was oddly comfortable. More more comfortable than it should have been given their relationship. She was his boss. I don't know, their co-workers. Her husband was his boss. And Karen was 15 years older than Gary. And again, she had a husband and two kids. And it just, it was just kind of weird. On the drive home, Karen was talking openly about having visions while they were there about her ancestors and just kind of red flaggy things. And Audrey knew something was off. The whole thing left her very uncomfortable. She just wasn't sure about any of it. About a month after that, Audrey and Gary decided to go to the temple, just the two of them. And on their way in, he casually told Audrey that he needed to talk to her about something after So they spent a couple hours in the temple and when they left, they stopped to just sit on the, on the grounds. And if you've ever seen the temple grounds, they've got 
really pretty flowers and plants and it's just a nice place to just kind of hang out. And Gary tells her very factually that God has presented a path for him to follow. And he started just talking weird nonsense. He told her that in order to get onto this path, he couldn't be married to Audrey anymore because they weren't equally yoked spiritually. He brought Karen up and told Audrey that in the office, they shared an office. By the way, Karen and Gary shared an office. And in the office, they had visions together. And so Gary's like, yeah, I I just, there's this new path and I don't think you can be part of it. And Audrey's panicking. She's like, what are you saying? Are you, do you want a divorce? Are you telling me you want to get divorced? We just had a baby. And he tells her yes. And so poor Audrey is just completely blindsided in such a fog. She has this three month old baby. And now her husband's like in this weird trance saying all this weird stuff. And so she goes to spend the day with her sister and she fills her sister in and they're both like, what? And initially her sister's like, I, maybe he's just stressed. I mean, he's, you guys are new parents. He's going to school. He's working and providing. Maybe he's just stressed. So at one point they decide to call his dad and have him come over and they fill him in about what Gary's been saying. And, and so Gary's dad decides to call him and he steps outside and he has this long conversation with him. And when he comes back in, he tells Audrey, it's fine. Just go home and be with him. He's just stressed out. You know, work and school and parenthood is just a lot, but it'll be fine. He's fine. So Audrey goes home and they don't really talk about anything. They just kind of go to bed. And then the next morning when Gary leaves to go to work, Audrey gets this very strong, undeniable impression that something is wrong and her family's future is in danger. Something is wrong. It was so pronounced that she ended up calling Gary and having him come home. When he comes home, she has just this list of things that she's ready to present him with to work together as a couple and and get back on track and figure out what's going on. And instead of joining her efforts, he dismissed it. He dismissed her and her concerns and he kind of gaslit her. So they decided that they needed to make an appointment to talk to to a third party about their issues and what's going on. So they go, he agreed to go and they go. And this guy who's the third party was like, what? He, he, He was weirded out, I think. And so Audrey in front of him asked Gary straight out, do you have any romantic feelings for Karen? Just tell me. Now is the time to tell me. And and he's like, no, I don't. It's We just work together. So that was that. And they went home. And the whole matter seemed to be resolved. Gary denied that anything was wrong. And Audrey still had this gut feeling that something's off. But she had no choice but to just kind of believe him and carry on and see how, it, you know, what transpired next. The next day, there was just this heaviness in the air still and Gary went to work and Audrey tried to just go on about her day like normal. She was home to their newborn was very fussy. So she's home alone with this baby, this fussy baby. She's breastfeeding. So she's really tied to, to home at this point. And she's just trying to move on from all these weird 
things that she had just experienced with her husband because he still wasn't acting like himself. When he came home that night, Audrey had dinner ready and they sat down to eat and something was still off with Gary. He was still acting really weird. And suddenly out of the blue, with no emotion, as if he was talking about the weather, he tells Audrey that he hadn't been honest with her. He told her that he was in love with Karen and they planned on starting a life together. And so poor Audrey, this is like a punch to the gut. She could not believe what she was hearing. This man, who appeared to have dedicated his life to God and his family, was telling her over dinner that he was leaving her and their baby girl for another woman in her family. Literally just a couple months ago, after the baby was born, he was gushing on social media about how much he loves them and how grateful he was to God for his wife and his daughter, and now he was leaving not only Audrey, but his daughter too. And so Audrey's in shock and she picks up her phone and she texts Karen and and just asks her, are you in love with Gary? And her response was, I plan on loving him forever. Okay. Doesn't answer the question, but okay. It's weird. It's a really a weird thing to say to somebody's wife. Anyway, Audrey ended up calling her and she tells her that that Gary's coming to the office. He's packing up his stuff. He's quitting. He's not going to work there anymore. And Gary's just sitting on his computer, just, you know, like he didn't deliver the worst blow to his wife. And when he heard her say that, he just gave an unemotional chuckle and said, yeah, that's not happening. So he walks into the other room and Audrey saw a text come in for Gary on his phone from Karen. And it said, you can stay at my house tonight. Don't let her chain you. Gary comes out with his work bag. He puts his scriptures in him and then he walks out the door. He left his wife and his new baby behind. Oh, but he remembered his scriptures. So, you know, he can continue his conversations with God and Karen, I guess, together so that they can go beyond this new path that God, you know, had laid out for them because they're prophets now, apparently. Gary moved in that night with Karen and her husband, Chris, and their two young kids. And I don't know what the heck they're kids are thinking or what they're telling them, but all of a sudden they have two daddies and and a mom and they're all living together and it's just so messed up. And Audrey's just left there to figure out what's next. The person that she thought she was going to grow old with just left. The person she thought she was going to raise a family with just walked out the door and they decided together that Audrey would be a stay-at-home mom. And so her husband, who she trusted with all of her heart, just left her and her daughter to nothing. He, in his mind, he was like, oh, she'll be fine. She can just move back in with her parents who lived out of state. So Audrey was going to have to completely uproot her life. Now, it had already been flipped upside down because having a baby will do that. There's a lot to figure out. And now she's got to figure out where she's going to live, where she's going to get money, all that. And Audrey fought. She fought for her marriage. She wasn't going to give up. She married this guy. This was her husband. And so while she's fighting for her marriage, Gary's just going on vacations with his new family. He changed his number. He left the country. And Audrey learned that she couldn't get a hold of him by trying to get a hold of him to inform him that their daughter was in the ER because she had an adverse reaction to to something she ate or something. 
she had a bunch of allergies and she couldn't get a hold of Gary. So when she was able to get a hold of him, it was through email and he refused to try therapy or marriage counseling. He was done. He just, he didn't want anything to do with them anymore. He told Audrey that if he did come back, he would never look at her or touch her again and that their marriage would be loveless. But Audrey wanted to fight for her family, even if it was just for the sake of their daughter. So one day she showed up at his new house with his new family unannounced with her baby on her hip. And when he came out, he was like, what are you doing here? He already had a wedding band on, which he told her was a promise. It's a promise. They weren't even separated. They weren't divorced. I mean, nothing. This was all just so overnight. And Audrey just needed closure, at least. If he couldn't follow through on his promises, then at least give her closure. So she made him hold their baby and look her in the eye and say, I'm choosing Karen over you. And so he looked his baby in the eye and he said, I'm choosing Karen over you and handed the baby back. So after a few weeks, when Audrey's milk is dried up because she's so stressed and she can't eat and she's coming to realize there's nothing she can do. She did everything she could to fight for her family. And it was clear that he was choosing to do this and there was no changing his mind. They set a time and a place to meet up so that he could say goodbye to their baby. So when they did, they met up. He wouldn't even look at Audrey. When she tried to touch his hand, he snapped back. It was just really, really weird. He, He held their baby and he hugged her and closed his eyes. And the whole thing was like, it was like he was being held hostage and being made to follow through with this decision. Just really odd. And what's even odder and weirder is Gary was very protective of his reputation. So he was doing all this despicable crap, but he was very protective of his reputation. He did not want people to know how terrible he was. And so in that whole snippet of information makes what happened next even crazier. So he's still working at Chris and Karen's company. And the way that it worked is people would open an account with them and they would put money into their account, like thousands of dollars into their account with them while they're on this physical rehab journey. And one day they just closed down all of a sudden. Gary and Karen and Karen's husband, Chris, all showed up And told the people who were there in the middle of their sessions to get out. And just basically took the money out of their accounts and ran. They just shut their doors and ran. And so people are left high and dry. They're pissed because they don't know what's going on. Where's our money kind of thing. Word has it. They tried to open up shop out of the country. But that didn't work out when word of what they'd done to their business in the States got around. So they ended up having to leave town. I mean, they were pretty hated. There's a lot of people that who are mad at them and they ended up having to move and sell their house. And we found out some things about Karen. Some things came to light. Chris was her second marriage and she somehow convinced her first husband to marry her during a quick getaway. She, she was like, oh, God is so mad at me because... 
we're having sex outside of marriage. We need to get married. And I don't know what she said to him to manipulate him into marrying her, but they were on this flight to, I think they were going to Vegas or something. And on the flight, there's turbulence. And she, dead serious, told him that that was God and Satan fighting over them. She also told him that there were bad men after her. She had bought him a car for his birthday. Happy birthday, babe. I bought you a car, but oh, it got blown up by the bad men. I had it parked at the airport and they found it and they blew it up. So it's gone. Yeah, it wasn't in the news. I don't know why. I don't know why an explosion at the airport wasn't in the news. So weird. But yeah, that's what happened. It also came out that Karen was not religious, like she told Gary. She told her friends that she felt like she needed to dress more conservatively and not cuss around Gary when he started working with them because he was very religious and she had her sights set on him for some reason. She wanted, she wanted him and she was going to do whatever it took to make him hers. And so this is an example of abuse. It fits into like, I guess the, the religious abuse or the spiritual abuse, because she was using religion, something that he cared deeply about, to manipulate him into this weird life with her. And he fell for it. This marked the start of Audrey's new life. She was a single mom now, and she had to find a way to provide. And luckily, she had her sister to help out. But she, her sister, was pregnant with her first child. And after the baby was born, things just were difficult. There wasn't a ton of space or time. And it just got to a point where Audrey felt like it was best if her and her baby went where there was space and a little more help and moved back in with her parents who were out of state. So she had to leave the state and the city that she loved so much and move back in with her parents. And she was just at the lowest she'd ever been. Her whole world was completely turned upside down at the hands of somebody else. And she was so grateful for her parents. They were so helpful and kind, but she didn't want to live with them. You know, she, she wanted her own place. She wanted to be married again. She wanted to be a full family unit again, the thing that she signed up for. She wanted a home that she and her daughter could call their own. And on top of that, Gary was just being awful to her. It was like he had to justify what he was doing and he made up this weird narrative in his head that she was this terrible person, terrible wife. But I can tell you from knowing her very well that she wasn't. She was really, really kind and she was a really nice wife, much nicer wife than I am. So she's living with her parents and there's one day that she FaceTimed her sister and just expressed her misery. She just, she looked terrible. She felt terrible. She had lost a bunch of weight and she was already so skinny and she just hit rock bottom. And if there was a light at the end of the tunnel, she couldn't see it. And then that night she got a message from Mike and Mike was an acquaintance, somebody that she knew from the city that she had just moved from. And Mike had been through a lot of the same things she had. He had two young daughters. He'd been through a divorce his wife, Maggie, had left him overnight. He didn't know why, because things were great. He was a great dad. But Maggie lost her mind. And so one day she went over to her parents' house with the kids, and she just never came back. And next thing she knew, he was filing for divorce. And so Mike and Audrey had so much in common. And they spent the next 
couple weeks just talking constantly. They would FaceTime and talk for hours a day, and one thing led to the next, and Mike invited Audrey out to visit. Soon they were dating, and things were looking up in a big way, because all Audrey wanted was for her daughter to have a dad, and she wanted to be a wife, and she to a loving spouse. How hard is that, you know? And with Mike, it was looking like that might be a possibility. Mike treated her so well. He treated her daughter well, and things progressed quickly. He was very charming, and he seemed to be focused on his family. He was hardworking, and plus, he was a victim of his first failed marriage, just like Audrey was. But what she didn't know at the time was that he was love-bombing her. And love-bombing is a term for showing extreme displays of affection, and that includes gift-giving, constant attention and compliments, making remarks that your soulmates are saying I love you quickly. And it's normal for somebody who does this, who love bombs, to move things along quickly because they they want to trap their victim before their mask slips and shows that they're a piece of crap. Mike and Audrey ended up getting married and Audrey and her daughter moved back into town, and all that darkness that Audrey had been living in finally started to make way to some sunlight. She was like, oh my gosh, okay, things are getting better. This is amazing. It's going to be okay. But that darkness would soon close in on her again, unfortunately, because Mike was wearing a mask, and it started to slip. He was very hypercritical of her, and it was over the stupidest things. It was the way she cleaned, the way that she parented, the way that she ironed his clothes or hung his clothes. She could not do anything right in his eyes and she was constantly walking on eggshells. He would weaponize her anxiety and he often made her feel like any legitimate, actual legitimate concerns she had were outrageous and he would blame her anxiety for it. He would tell her that she didn't have any mother's instincts. That mom gut didn't exist. It was all her anxiety. Their first big blowout was two months after they got married. Her daughter, who is one now, was really sick and RSV was going around and the baby was having a hard time breathing and her breaths were really shallow. And so that's obviously something to be concerned about whatever time of day it is. And so it's 3 a.m., and she's like, I, I need to take her to the ER. She can't breathe. And so Audrey wakes Mike to tell him, hey, she can't breathe. I've got to take her to the ER. She wasn't even asking for him to come with them. She just told him, I'm going to take the baby. He, without pause, flew into a rage and told her that she was being dramatic and that her anxiety was getting to her and the baby was fine. And she's like, you can think what you want, but I'm, I'm taking her to the hospital. And so she's packing up to go and he gets up and he pushes Audrey down onto the bed. And when she got up, he pushed her again up against the wall. Audrey was completely shocked and scared. She had never seen this side of him. He'd never laid hands on her. It was very early on in their marriage. So what the heck was this like an isolated incident? What, what was this? And then Audrey got pregnant and things got worse. And you can sit there and say, oh, why did she get pregnant? Oh, what the heck was she thinking? And to that, I say, don't blame the victim. You have not walked in their shoes. You don't know what it's like when you've got somebody who's very manipulative and very charming and you're married to this person and you love 
this person and you don't want to let them down. So she ended up pregnant and things got worse and his cycle of abuse came into clear view for her. And that cycle is building of tension and abuse incident, reconciliation, and then a period of calm. But you don't recognize it as a cycle when you're going through it. But after, you know, the cycle goes on and on, it starts to become clear. And so Audrey's pregnant. She has a healthy pregnancy. And around the time she's due, it was Christmas time. And they were supposed to go to his parents' cabin, which was about two hours away. It's really cold. It's really snowy. And, uh, but she started bleeding. And so she's like, I I need to go to the hospital. I'm 39, 40 weeks pregnant and I'm bleeding. And he had a fit. He did not want to. He tried to talk her out of it and he pushed and manipulated her. And she finally somehow was able to convince him to just let her go to the hospital. And when she got there, they were like, oh, you're in labor. You're in full-blown labor. So she has the baby. Baby's fine. She's fine. And two days after, she obviously she's recovering. She has stitches and he still wants to go to the cabin. Knowing full well that the heater's not working at the cabin. They've got a newborn. He made her go anyway. And so they get there and she has to climb up this very, very steep, slippery driveway. She slipped several times, but he didn't care. You know, she's got this newborn and I just can't even fathom that. So they're at the cabin now. His family's there. And while they're there, he was just confrontational with every single one of his siblings. He loved to pick fights. He still does to this day. And it got so bad that the family was like, screw this. And they finally just packed up and left. And then when she, when Audrey was about three weeks postpartum, he guilted her into sex. Her stitches weren't even taken out and he's guilting her. And then over the course of their marriage, he was always verbally abusive. He would name call. He would bash her character. He would criticize her parenting. He would try to take things that she had done and twist it and then go tattle to her parents about it. And he was trying to isolate her from her family and friends. He started conflict with every single one of her family members, with her friends. Unbeknownst to him, that wasn't going to work because Audrey's very close with her family. He would be physically destructive to, to things around. So if he was mad and having one of his little temper tantrums, he would kick the iPad or throw something across the room. He would throw cups of water at Audrey. Multiple times this happened over small, stupid arguments where he shouldn't have even been mad. And of course, he never took accountability. He always had an excuse. He was always the victim. And he would use his quote-unquote trauma to justify his actions and the way that he treated his wife. And then whenever Audrey stood up for herself, he would cry these big fat crocodile tears and beg her to stay and guilt her into staying. And so this went on. She was trying to figure out what to do about her husband because he's obviously a terrible person, but she's married to him and now she has his kid. And I mean, she would spend the day cleaning and he would come home and look for something to criticize. She was constantly walking on eggshells and he would never take into account the fact that she was nursing. She had a teething newborn who's crying because 
newborns cry, especially when they're teething. Uh, She had a toddler. And if things weren't to his ridiculous, unobtainable standards, he would throw a fit. And it was like a literal temper tantrum. Literally the temper tantrum of a two-year-old and an adult man. He would try to make her feel stupid or like she didn't know any better about certain things. Audrey said about this, quote, you become desensitized and you start losing your will to say no because you're constantly trying to avoid conflict or a temper tantrum, end quote. And then in between these tantrums, he would love bomb her. So he would send her to get her nails done while he watched the kids or just things like that. And so this made it very hard and confusing to Audrey because... I mean, you can imagine when you're living it, when you're in it and you're supposed to love this person and you're married to them and you have their child and you're raising a family together, you you don't want to be ridiculous and say, oh, you know, I, you don't want to leave them because they lost their temper or got mad. And so she didn't know if she was justified in leaving and she loved him. She loved the good side of him and she wanted to. A family. She wanted to be a family with him, but these tantrums and meltdowns kept happening. They just never went away. When they were, when things were good, she was always waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it always did. But again, leaving is not easy. It's easy to look at a, you know, a, a whole event or somebody's five, ten years, or however long on paper, summarized into, you know, a paragraph or a story and say, oh my gosh, I would have left. Why didn't she leave? But when you're living it, and you're in it, and there are so many things that you have to consider, it's not easy. It is not cut and dry. It's never black and white. Audrey was in this place that she wanted it to work out so badly that she would just focus on the good things and on the good times. But at the same time, being with him meant constant sacrifices. He job hopped a ton. He wouldn't stay in one job. And so that forced the family to uproot and move multiple times. There wasn't a ton of security. And he was and is not able to have relationships. Any relationship that he has never goes deeper than surface level. None of it's meaningful. It's like he's not capable of a meaningful relationship. I mentioned earlier, he loves confrontation. He would seek it out. He would seek it out with strangers in public, on the road, his road rage was bad. He would, he would be in the car with his family and he would road rage and try to get people to pull over. And so he'd fight them with his family in the car, with his babies in the car. After Audrey finally left Mike, she started to put pieces of the puzzle together as she went through some old court documents. And it turns out that his first marriage was not what he said it was. In fact, it was exactly what she was going through. History with him was repeating itself. His first wife left him for the same reason that Audrey was leaving him, because he was an abusive monster. But he didn't see it that way. He never will see it that way. He will play the victim for the rest of his life. Audrey saw Maggie, his first wife, through his lens. She was this evil witch intent on ruining his life. It's what she lived for. It's all she cared about. In reality, she was just a single mom trying to protect her kids. And Maggie and Audrey ended up becoming very good friends and a huge support system to one another. At one point, Audrey was planning on moving in with her sister again, who was out of the county. And she had to get permission from Mike for this. And he's like, yeah, it's fine, whatever. So she moved all of her stuff up there. 
and a day or two before she was supposed to move in, Mike pulled the rug out from under her and said, never mind, I don't want you to move out of the county anymore. Stupidly enough, he was allowed to do that as far as the law goes. And Audrey had nowhere to live. Suddenly, she couldn't leave the county. She had nowhere to live, nowhere to go. And Mike was perfectly fine with this. He was perfectly fine with leaving Audrey and his kids homeless. And luckily, she had Maggie because Maggie stepped in and invited her to move in while she figured out what's next and just to help her get back on her feet. And so that's what she did. The scary thing about people like Mike is they will turn the charm on when they need it, when it suits them. And they'll manipulate their way into people's lives with it, but then they'll flip the switch. And you never know when they'll flip. They're just very unpredictable. And Mike continues this cycle. He jumps from relationship to relationship, and he never puts it together in his tiny little itsy-bitsy brain that he's the problem. He's not a victim. He is the problem. It's more important to him to get high on confrontation than it is to apologize or take accountability or just really be a good person. I'm really proud of Audrey for leaving because it's not easy. I know it's not easy. I have not been in those shoes, which I'm very grateful for because I know just from watching it is so difficult. Mike's dad was abusive and his mom didn't leave because she thought that what she was doing was what was best for her kids. She's a victim herself, but because she didn't, the kids grew up thinking that was normal and it, it has trickled down onto Mike and it kept this cycle of abuse going. And so now Audrey is having to be the one to break the cycle. And she's been separated from Mike and pursuing a divorce for two years, but she still has to consciously work at keeping the boundaries in place and not allowing him to manipulate her. And it's hard, but she's so much better without him, obviously. She's just, she's having to choose her heart right now and she's choosing the lesser of two evils. Some of these deadbeat dads think they're so wonderful and that their ex-wives and baby mamas and whatever are trying to ruin their lives, but it never occurs to them that, that the mom doesn't want to be a single mom. She doesn't want to have to go back to work if she doesn't want to work when she's planning on being a stay-at-home mom. She doesn't want to live a life of poverty. She doesn't want to sacrifice time with her kids. But more than any of that, she didn't want the abuse for herself. And she most certainly didn't want her kids growing up to think that that behavior was healthy or normal. Another quote from Audrey, she said, My desire for my kids to grow up to be good, hardworking members of society is greater than my immediate wants, no matter how hard that is. Knowing the damage it would do to my kids if I stayed is what gave me the strength to leave. I am very proud of Audrey. I'm proud of all the people out there who have left abusive situations. I am just proud of anybody who has broken a cycle of abuse. I'm going to leave some links and resources in the description for you or anybody you know who needs help. Please feel free to reach out to me. Please feel free to DM me if you need help. My number one passion in this life is kids and advocating for kids. And this goes, a lot of things go hand in hand with that. But for me, this is my passion because people I love have been through it. 
I can see how difficult it is. I can see how they're misunderstood. And I definitely can see how it can affect kids and their future and the way that they think about themselves. So please reach out to me. I will do everything in my power to help. Thank you so much for being here. Please review and subscribe to my podcast if you're enjoying it. I love you so much and I will see you next week. Bye.